Blueprint for a Civil Force Developing a Solution for the Problem of Crime and Policing The need for police and policing is real. We all agree the need is real. There is also a growing demand for reform. All of us want effective policing. What we do not want is to be over-policed. To be over-policed or poorly policed is not just uncomfortable, it produces unnecessary costs. Can we agree then that a reasonable and measurable goal is to have less crime with lower costs? Whatever reforms we implement cannot dilute enforcement when it comes to serious crime at least. We look at all options so long as crime does not go up and our safety is not compromised. We are realistic, we have to consider the cost of justice. Crime is a cost, but so is policing. If perfect policing requires an infinite cost, the absence of policing comes at the same price in terms of the costs of crime. This is a reasonable place to start negotiations from. First of all, we ought to clarify in the clearest way possible what this essay seeks to achieve. The objective of this discussion is to find a way to reduce the cost of justice. Any solution that is offered must cost less than the cost of meeting our justice using conventional methods. The day of throwing money at problems is past. It is too easy and fun to spend money. It is not justice to expect the victim and society to accept justice at any cost. Any program that is supported must not decrease the safety or inconvenience of the public as costs are reduced. Safety cannot be sacrificed to save money. To be absolutely clear and transparent, the program we offer will reduce the cost of justice while it will maintain or increase the safety of those enacting the program. We wish to make our strategy and priorities clear because to try and use existing budgets more effectively can compromise safety. Ensuring safety is maintained while reducing the cost of policing permits us to maintain present police budgets and produce higher levels of safety. Alternatively, program coordinators have the choice to apply the saving to other priorities. The primary reason why we have opted for this standard or method of validation is that because being focused on reducing the cost of justice while maintaining safety levels is a simple way to track and measure progress. The safety, convenience, humanity, needs or history of the criminal are not factors that will considered in the development of a program for reducing the cost of justice. Reducing crime is not the same as reducing the cost of justice. We can reduce crime by making draconian laws. Such laws will not produce justice and will not likely reduce the cost of justice, and it ought to be a lower cost of justice we are after. The Civil Force program is designed to reduce the cost of justice without increasing public inconvenience and without any decrease in safety. Reduction in the rates of crime will happen because we cannot increase justice without decreasing crime. But it is fair to say if the costs of justice increase, we are not achieving justice for the people. It is important to remember that it is not just the immediate victim that deserves justice. The secondary victims are the primary victims' friends and family. However, at the tertiary level are the ones who must pay to see justice done, 
and who are required to implement justice. These also have a right to see the cost of justice come down. The first fact that needs to be appreciated is that the police exist to police. Policing is an activity directed against criminals. Criminals are people who break laws. Policing is the activity of bringing to justice those who break laws. But we need to be aware of two types of crime. There are coercive crimes and covert crimes. It is reasonable to suppose there are two forms of justice. Each type of justice is suitable only for one of the two classes of crime. Coercion implies force or the threat of force. The coercive category of crime will not be discussed at this time. The means of reducing costs for coercive crime does exist. This discussion assumes, however, that coercive crime will continue to be dealt with using conventional forms of policing. Covert crimes are less serious than coercive acts, some covert crimes are even considered victimless. The crucial feature of a covert criminal act is that it does not involve a coercive element. Covert criminal acts are concerned with the breaking of trust, covert crimes include crimes of deceit and dishonesty. People are covertly scammed out of sums of money. The degree to which victims are complicit or victimized varies. Purchasers of drugs and prostitution services are buyers of an hallucination or manufactured reality. This is not much different than what happens when people stream videos or buy beauty products. Where the line is that divides a scam from a marketing message is not clear. Why is prostitution legal in some places and not others, even within the same political jurisdiction? The objective of a civil force is to reduce the cost of justice. Its mandate is crimes of deceit and betrayal. These are crimes that generally require complicity from the victim. Prostitution, petty theft, disorderly conduct, noise, property disputes and so on would all fall under this mandate. Covert crimes are not a threat to the person, but they undermine the authority and majesty of the state. Petty crime is an affront to the regulatory authority of the state. The civil force includes all able-bodied adults. The civil force requires only a minimal amount of training. The force's mandate is predicated on the principle that all crime is unrecorded or non-mandated cost. This cost avoidance invariably begins at a young age. The civil force is mandated to step in when costs are avoided to correct the injustice. This does not involve investigating families. It is the cost that has been created by not recorded that is investigated. Bullying, property damage, unruly behavior has costs. An adult who hurt by the behavior of someone challenges the behavior. In the language of justice, the victim challenges the accused. The claim is that the accused has created a cost and the cost has not been paid. The behavior is documented and filed but not made public. If the behavior persists then other witnesses are called. The witnesses, preferably two or three, approach the accused with the evidence. The cost created is recorded. Upon a third occurrence the accused is brought before a council. The council is the local church 
but consists of a quorum of adults who know the accused. At this time the record of the accused is made public. The counsel adjudicates the case, the court determines the amount of the cost incurred and imposes a payment schedule upon the accused. Justice consists of compensating any victims in the case. This includes the community or church and any body or individual which has suffered a loss because of the actions of the accused. The accused is on parole until such time as the accused fulfills the penalty. If the accused continues to create costs for members, the court is convened to tighten the conditions of his parole. The accused will systematically lose his or her freedom as costs mount. If incarceration or physical restraints are applied the prisoner is responsible for his or her expenses. Any costs created remain outstanding until paid off. Until such time as the accused makes full restitution, he or she is under some form of observation and restrictive control.